What's up, guys? It's good to see you guys. You guys ready for a good word? Speaking on humility. No, I'm just teasing. I probably should, though. I'm excited for tonight. Uh, Tonight's message is entitled, Are You a Believer or a Feeler? Are you a believer or are you a feeler? If you're a Christian, you are defined by belief in God. You are defined by belief in the Son, His Son, Jesus. You are defined by belief in the cross. You're defined by the belief in His death and resurrection. You're defined by the belief in His ascension. You're defined by your belief in His victory over sin and death. You're defined by belief in eternal life. That's a lot of belief. Our salvation and our victory is 100% contingent upon what we believe. Jesus said, whoever shall believe in me shall be saved. Jesus wasn't like, are you feeling me? All right, cool, you're saved. No, he's like, if you believe in me, not if you're feeling me, if you believe in me. That joke was about four points cooler than I actually am. Yet, so much of how we govern our daily Christian life is not governed by what we believe, it's governed by what we feel. Are you a believer or are you a feeler? The majority of how we operate in Christianity and how we operate our daily lives, I suggest, is not by what we believe, but what we feel. Our feelings are complex, and they're used in all these different ways. They're used in all sorts of manners in which govern our every decision and our opinions and our views. How about the I don't feels? How about I don't feel God? I don't feel God's voice. I don't feel that I should do that. I don't feel that's the right decision. I don't feel peace about that. Then there's all the things that we do feel. I feel that all religions are the same. I feel the Bible is kind of like old school and not super relevant for today. I feel that I'm in a time of transition. I feel that I know what's best for me. I feel that God knows my heart and doesn't really care about what I do. I feel peace in my heart about this. We're governed by these feelings for how we operate a Christian life. Do you see what happened? We're saved by our belief, but we're trying to run our life by what we feel. We got saved by believing, but when it comes to how we live, we stop believing and start feeling. It's like the Journey song. Don't stop. Sorry. No. <laughs> I know, it's like, after I stopped, I was like still singing the rest of the song in my head. It's such a good song. If someone wants to come up and sing it, you can. No. But I believe that God speaks to us. Amen? Do you believe that God speaks to you? But here's what's common. It's like, if you don't feel God speaking to you, you know what you do? I don't know if God speaks to me. The word is crystal clear. John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice. It's crystal clear. If you are in Christ, you hear God's voice. Now, you might not be able to listen to it, but that doesn't mean he's not speaking to you. But if you don't feel it, then we begin to question God's existence. That's backwards. We need to have our beliefs inform our feelings. Let me say that again. We need to have our beliefs inform our feelings. Does that make sense? You know what also I believe is that there's also another voice that isn't God, but sounds like God. Do you believe that? Do you believe there's a voice of an enemy that's an adversary in your life that's also contending for you? A voice that feels convincingly similar to God, but isn't. 
a voice that is the enemy. Now, here's what's funny is that people think that Satan usually takes on the caricature of the big scary guy with horns and like, just have another drink. Like, I don't know about you, but my temptation doesn't sound like that, does it? Does it sound like that to you? I mean, isn't that the, the great trap is that the voice of Satan doesn't come across an all pitchforky like devil tail and horns and scary voice. It comes as like, ah, oh, it's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal. The voice of Satan is like really hard to distinguish from the voice of God. It says that Satan is a masquerader, an imposter. He's a counterfeit. It is actually supposed to sound, look like, and feel like God. If I were to give you a $100 bill and tell you it's counterfeit and it had a seven on it, you'd be like, good one. No, a counterfeit actually is supposed to represent and look like the original. Satan is an imposter, a masquerader of light. And so we need to get out of this, this mindset that I can't be tricked in hearing a voice and think it's God, but it's not the devil. You certainly can be tricked in thinking that God is speaking to you, but it's actually the devil. That means that if you are a feeler and not a believer, all Satan has to do to lead you astray is to touch your feelings. If you want to be led astray by Satan, all he has to do is to touch your emotions and your feelings. If you're a feeler, not a believer. But if you're a believer, then you can actually line up what you are feeling and seeing and stir in your heart, and you can line it up to the word and say, actually, that was a close one. I see you. Nice try. But most Christians don't do that. Most are just governing their life based on how they feel. I feel this way. And what's so clever and cunning about the devil is that he makes, when he accesses your feelings, he makes your response sound so spiritual. When the devil wants to access your emotions, he can make you respond to it in a very spiritual way. For example, I feel confirmed in my heart. Things that Christians say. I feel confirmed in my heart. Stuff that Christians say. I feel peace about this. When Satan fools your feelings, the result is you actually are convinced that you are being spiritual. Remember, the voice of God and the voice of the enemy can be convincingly similar. But for me, these two statements, I feel confirmed in my heart, and I feel peace about this, always perk my ears. Because those have been the lines that have led me astray. Let me share. The first one is, I feel confirmed in my heart. I feel confirmed in my heart about this. I can't tell you how many times that different guys went up to Camille while we were dating and said, I feel confirmed in my heart that we should date. I'm like, mm-mm, that's Satan. <laughs> but in Christianity, right, where's Jesus? In my heart. Which isn't technically in the Bible, but I get it. But, you know, we say Jesus is in my heart. I feel confirmed in my heart. It kind of goes along with the whole notion. And we, we feel that when we say God speaks to us, we usually use the, the term like God speaks to my heart, Right? We feel it in our heart. And so it's natural for us to say, I feel it in my heart because God speaks to my heart and God lives in my heart. And naturally, if my heart feels it, it must be God. It's a very common thing. 
And so if my heart keeps saying, yes, how can that be wrong? If my heart feels it so strongly and Jesus doesn't want me to feel something, then why is it wrong? Basically, the, the notion is that if, if it's a feeling in my heart and God didn't want me to feel it, he would change my heart. I've heard that reasoning before. So you see so many people that they will continue to fight for what their heart is feeling and saying that it is God, it is God, it is God, because I feel it in my heart. I know that God speaks to my heart. Here's the one problem. It's not biblical. Because here's what's not biblical about it. It's to say that your heart is always 100% trustworthy. The people who put all their chips on the feeling of their heart forget that the scriptures say this. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful beyond all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Now, I'll, I'll talk about how you know, not all the heart is bad. I'm not advocating that. I'm just saying, if you put all your chips on whatever your heart feels and believes, you stand to be deceived because the heart is not always trustworthy. And so some people will say, well, okay, maybe the heart is, is not trustworthy all the time, but it's only matters of the flesh. It's only matters of like selfish desires like wanting a Lamborghini or a sports car. Like, okay, maybe that's not from God. You know, like maybe they'll give you that. And people will say, it's not Satan. Satan can't be in your heart because that's where Jesus is. I will skip that sermon for now. <laughs> people say, oh, God and Satan can't coexist. Well, well God is omnipresent. There's no other place for Satan to go. And also it says that Satan is before the throne accusing you before the Father. I think they're communicating. Anyways, they say, well, the, the, Satan can't access your heart. Can't, Satan doesn't have any place in belonging there. And that's a total misconception. Why? John, uh, John 13, 2, it says this. During supper, the devil, having already put into his heart of Judas, the son of Simon, to betray him. Probably missed that, didn't you? That Satan actually accessed the heart of Judas. Satan accomplished the plan, Satan's plan, of betraying and killing Jesus by planting feelings, ideas, and emotions into the heart of Judas. Are you hearing this? Satan accomplished his will by accessing the heart of Judas in order to betray him and to put him on the cross. I'm sure if you would have confronted Judas in that time, like, Judas, what are you doing? I bet he would say, I feel confirmed in my heart. <laughs> I guarantee you. In fact, I, I would totally believe that in Judas's heart, he thought what he was doing was right. We know the story. And so, oh, bad, Judas. But actually, in his heart, I believe he thought he was doing the right thing. Because Satan had taken dominion over his heart, planted the deception there. And so there's been this overemphasis on the heart that allows Christians to be led astray all while thinking that God has confirmed it in their heart. Your heart must be submitted to what you believe. Your life must be governed by what you believe, not what you feel. If what your heart says doesn't match up with the Bible, then you need to tell your heart to shut up. I regularly tell my heart to shut up. Shut up. <laughs> I'm not listening to you. That's not the truth. Because you're a believer, not a feeler. Colossians 3.15 says, Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Now this word rule has a couple of connotations. Actually, it's its primary meaning. It's about an umpire. I hate baseball. 
But umpires, what do they do? Foul ball, strike, you're out. You know, all the other things they do. Basically, right and wrong. Umpires govern right and wrong. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. The peace, the presence of God should say right and wrong. Meaning there actually is a debate in your heart, right? The peace of God rules in your heart, meaning that it's got to decipher what's right and wrong. We can't take everything that we feel and run with it. The second means ruler or king. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. It basically means that the peace of God would be the kingdom of your heart. You are shocked to know that God does not exist to serve your heart. Your heart exists to serve God. It's a placement of priority of where your heart should be thinking. Is it thinking about you or is it thinking about God? Which does one serve? So the heart has power to lead you, but make no mistake, your heart can either lead you to life or can lead you to death. We are believers, not feelers. Amen? Now the second saying that gets Christians in trouble, that perks my ears, is I feel peace about this. I feel peace about this. I feel peace about this burrito. Yes, Jesus. Words out of my mouth, actually. I do feel peace about burritos, quite frankly. It's God's will for me to enjoy this burrito. Oh, man, I'm hungry now all of a sudden. All right. Now, people are regularly using that phrase to justify their decisions. I feel peace about this. People are usually comfortable with that because Jesus is the prince of peace, right? I feel peace about this. And so if I feel peace, it must be God's will. It must be what God wants. Otherwise, I wouldn't have peace. Makes sense, right? The only thing is that it's maybe not entirely biblical. I don't know. Let's take a couple looks. So Luke 22, just before the cross, Jesus, the night before the cross, is swinging in a hammock, sipping a Mai Tai. Just declaring, I have so much peace. The peace is so glory filled. And he enjoyed his entire peaceful evening before the cross and had the best night's sleep of his entire life because he had so much peace prior to the cross because the cross is what God wanted for Jesus. That's not what it says. You guys knew that. Here's what it really says. Luke 22, verse 4. And Jesus withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and began to pray, saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but your will be done. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him, and being in agony, Jesus was praying fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. Ladies and gentlemen, the notion that peace would govern what's right and wrong is false. Jesus knew exactly what to do. He knew God's will was for the cross, and he had no peace. Jesus didn't have any confirming peace about the cross. He was in agony, sweating like drops of blood. The meaning there is anguish. He was in anguish the night before the cross, but yet knowing that he was going to be obedient, he brought his feelings into submission to what God had had ordained for him and purposed for him. 
He took total control over what he was going to feel and said, not my will because my will wants to run, but your will, Jesus. I don't need to feel good about this because I know what you said. And what you said trumps my feelings. Peace is not the confirmation of what's right or wrong. Jesus knew it was the right thing, but his feelings came against what's right. And that's the trick. That's why your heart is deceptive, is that your heart can come against what is right. It's a good thing that Jesus was a believer, not a feeler. Because we'd all be in big trouble right now. <laughs> if Jesus was a feeler and not a believer, we would still be dead in our trespasses. We'd have no eternal life. We'd have no salvation. If Jesus is like, man, that was a close one, but I can't hang in this kitchen. This is a little too hot. If he would have done that and followed his feelings, we would all be in a big mess. But he brought his feelings under submission to what God said. And so people, what they do is they typically try and look for peace in a situation. Jesus didn't have peace in the situation, but he had peace in the truth of God. Two different things. I would suggest to you that Jesus was so distressed and in agony about the earthly situation that there was no peace, but he had peace knowing what the will of the Father was. That's the only way he could survive through the circumstance, is having peace about what truth is, not peace about the circumstance. But people have it backwards. They first look for peace to prove what is truth. People are like this, like, peace detector, peace detector, peace detector. Ah, peace. This must be truth. It's, it's totally backwards. It's entirely the wrong direction. And so people who say, I have peace, it must be right, are completely wrong. That's not the indicator. You're putting truth into the wrong domain when you put peace into a circumstance. When you put peace into a situation of the earth, of the world, you're putting it into the domain of the prince of this world, who is the enemy. When you subject your peace to the world, you are putting it into the domain of the enemy. And when it's in that domain, you say, whatever I feel peace on must be truth. That's when you're deceived. That's when you're led astray. That's when you're completely blinded. Now, I've seen people fooled consistently by Satan with the same thing, saying, I feel confirmed in my heart. I feel peace about this. And they think that their Christian life is supposed to be without any adversity. When Jesus, I remember him saying, take heart, because you will have trouble in this life. He promised all the disciples, you will die for me. It's a bummer. I don't think they had a lot of peace. But they had resilient trust in the truth. But I've seen these statements justify all crazy kinds of things, personally. I've seen people say, I have peace about this relationship, which is an adulterous relationship. I feel confirmed in my heart about it. Oh, really? That's so funny. I've seen it in divorce. I feel peace about this divorce. I've seen it in disowning children. That parents think that they're doing the biblical right thing. I have peace about this decision. They don't lose any sleep over it. I've seen people use peace just to find premarital sex. Well, God really sees us married. Really? Come on. Come on. Like, people say with a straight face, I'm like, <laughs> try not to snicker. If you ever say that to me, I'm going to, never mind. 
breaking laws and tax evasion. It's amazing how many Christians like don't want to pay taxes because they think, oh, God only asks for 10%. And I say amen to that. <laughs> and they think it's God's money, not the government's. Well, you're going to pay 10 to 20 years if you don't clean this up. Bad business deals. Gosh, I, I have uh, personal information here. I'm in, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't share. I've had more business deals. I'm in business. I've had more business deals fall with Christians than non-Christians. I have a Christian right now, owes me $200,000. That feels wonderful. Crazy, right? Oh, he's just a Christian brother. You know, he's going to get it out together, and he's going to be okay. Grace, man. I said, grace has got a price tag, and it's got some zeros behind it. But you know what? That deal, oh, it's another Christian company. I feel so much peace about this. It's like, I'd feel a lot more peace if I could sue you right now. No, terrible. I'm sorry about that. That one wasn't supposed to slip out. So many people get married saying, I got peace about this person. And all of us are like, don't get married. And it's like, we get disinvited at their wedding because if they, know, and pastors know now not to ask, does anybody object? Because there'd be like this whole like line that would like jump up. <laughs> so people get married, so I can feel confirmed in my heart. I feel peace about this marriage. And I'm so puzzled why it's not working out in 18 months. It's crazy. Get rich quick schemes. I tell you what. There is no faster way to get a Christian to say, I have peace about this than to give them an opportunity to make money. What you doing, man? Oh, I'm doing my job. Awesome. Do you, do you like it? Oh, I love it. Is God purpose you for there? Totally. I feel a total like this is where God wants me. Well, this business deal, you can make $10,000 a week. I feel peace about joining you. It's amazing how Christians can be led astray by eyes of money and wealth and get rich quick and feel, oh, but they're Christians. And oh, it's going to be all this money. And it's, I just feel peace. Like God wants me to be rich. I feel it. I've fallen victim to that. I had no business doing something about seven years ago purely to chase the money. It's the worst thing I've ever done. You know what? It's like, I was like talking to you. I remember the walk we were on in this park near a house. Talking about this opportunity. That this like multi, almost like a billionaire guy like wanted to line up with us and do private equity investing. We were walking, and we were, like, talking about it, and things weren't going really well. I was like, I feel, I feel a lot of peace about, you know, joining this thing. And it ended up costing me tons of money. Never produced a dime. But I was led astray. If I would have, like, listened to my heart and, like, I'm actually chasing money here. I think the Bible has a few verses about chasing money that I'm like, oh, I'm just give that. We're, fee- or we're believers, not feelers. And even like things like a couple moving in together, too. I mean, all these things. It's like, I feel peace about it. I feel confirmed in my heart that this is right. And if I feel peace and I feel confirmed, how can it be wrong? It would not be inaccurate for me to say every blatant decision I've seen that is, that is um, completely crazy that I look at for other believers usually is coded and covered with, I feel peace and I feel confirmed in my heart. It's kind of the trump card. You really can't respond to someone that. We don't have language to deal with someone when they, I'm going to give you the worst idea possible and tell you I feel peace about it. Like, you really don't have an answer to it. You're like, oh, they kind of shut the conversation down. 
but now you have tools, right? I hope, that, hope those two stories stick in your mind. One is that Judas was subject to Satan planting feelings in his heart to betray Jesus. And second, Jesus before the cross had no peace before going to the cross. I hope those two stories stick with you at later times when you are in that situation and you're wondering, this circumstance, I have peace that you like, wait a minute, maybe I should take another look at this. Now, why is this important? Is because our feelings shouldn't always be trusted. Feelings are meant to be felt. If you're in Christ's life, that phrase sounds familiar. Because I have had times where I didn't feel like praying. There have been times I didn't feel like being a Christian anymore. There have been times I didn't feel like being married. The feeling was mutual with my wife several years ago. There have been times I didn't feel like being a dad or being in a ministry or being sober or even turning off a screen of a picture I shouldn't be looking at. There's so many times that I don't feel like I should do a different thing. I don't feel like obeying the law. I don't feel like being kind. I don't feel like submitting to God's word. And I definitely don't feel like praying with you. (laughs) I'm just saying what you're thinking. Because you all know that, right? Like you come to someone like and you're a problem. You're like, "Uh." Like, let me pray for you. Like, I wish you wouldn't actually. (laughs) Come on. We've all been there. We don't feel right. That's why we're believers, not feelers. It's because you need to look at your circumstances and say, dang it, I don't feel like it, but I know what truth is. I'm going to stand in it. I'm going to walk along it with my friends and the people who love me. And so the last place I put any authority of my life is into my feelings. My feelings are allowed to be indicators of different things in my life. My feelings can show and prompt me different ways. I'm a big dreamer, okay? So my feelings are allowed to give me indicators, but my feelings are not allowed to become a dictator of my life. I'm defined by what I believe, not what I feel. My feelings do not have permission to run my life. What God says and what the Bible declares is what gets to decide matters in my life. And if God is absent in his opinion, I believe that God calls us into reasoning with him. Did you know Isaiah 1.8 says, come, let us reason together. The king of the universe is like, let's kind of like solve this together. Kind of cool. Colossians or Corinthians 2.16, you have the mind of Christ. You are co-laboring with God and detailing your life. He invites you into this co-creation with him. It is absolutely mind-blowing, okay? And then God says, just like, don't mess these few things up. Because they're going to harm you. My daughter all the time, like, wants things like, Daddy, can we, like, climb the roof and, like, and jump off? It's like, no. <laughs> Ever. But, you know, like, hey, Daddy, can we go do tea parties? Sure. Why not? Sounds funny. We can do slides. We can do princesses or Play-Doh. We can do whatever. And so when, when the father says, don't do this because it's going to hurt you, we need to heed. But when we allow our feelings to supersede what we believe is truth, then we stand to be led astray by anyone who can captivate us. Anybody who can captivate your emotions has the power to lead you wherever they want. The emotions are a powerful thing. If they can captivate your heart, they can lead you wherever they want. When we look back on the Holocaust, remember, like, we grew up, like, crazy. How do all those dumb people, you know, participate? We watched, like, millions of people, like, kind of, like, watching. Yeah, yeah. Or the Armenian genocide. I mean, crazy atrocities. Littered with people who were just complicit with it. Like, okay, yeah, I guess so. 
Because they tapped into the emotions. They got people emotional and in their hearts deceived them just like Judas. And if you hear this and you are completely unaffected, brace yourself, you are already deceived. If you are completely unresponsive to truth, you have already been deceived. That's the sign of someone, it's too late, is you bring them the truth and they're just like, nope. I know it's the truth, but nope. They're already deceived. It's already reached the heart and they are beyond reason at that point. That's why you need to make a habit of saying, I actually subject my feelings and my life to other places of authority. Are you in charge of your life or do you entrust your life to be in submission to other people as well? Don't misunderstand me. I'm the person who probably follows his heart more than anybody you may have ever met. When I get an idea, it is really hard to talk me down from my idea. Isn't that right, sweetie? She shakes her head. I'm a passionate person. When I want something, I like work for it until I get it. I am like pretty much relentless. I get a bad attitude if I don't get what I want. I'm a spoiled brat in many ways, as I'm hearing myself talk. But when I want something, I really want it bad. But you know, one thing I know is that my heart can't be trusted. It's deceptive and it lies sometimes. And I also have to hold my heart up to the scriptures to ask myself, is what I'm feeling correct and true? And I also subject my life to authority figures, people who actually have the authority in my life to tell me no. I tell people like, I love you now. If you tell me no, I'm going to hate you for a little bit. But I probably need to hear it. You just set up our relationships with people that says like, well, everything's cool. Like, everything's cool, right? Well, everything's cool. I want you to know if I get out of line, you have permission to bring me back into alignment. I'm going to hate you. But on the other side of it, I promise I'll be better about it. And I'm sorry in advance for all the things I'm going to say to you. And have a relationship in your life that if you get off the rails, they can help put you back on. Because a lot of Christians, they, they, they want to help, but the lack of submission to authority is a cancer in Christianity. The lack of submission to authority is a cancer in Christianity. You need to be subject to people who love you enough to tell you the truth and you love the truth enough to say, okay. Let me close with this. What's the single greatest motivating factor in your life? What can motivate you? What can sway you? Is it your heart? Or is it God? Which is has the greater ability to sway your motives? Your personal desires or the scriptures? If you want something so bad and the scriptures say no, what do you do? And would you listen to someone who says, I don't think that's the right call. I don't think that's what you want to do with your life. How do you react? Does that upset you? And do you have anybody in your life? Have you welcomed people into your life to have that access into your life? If not, you need to develop that. And so if that's you tonight, if you're realizing tonight that you've been a feeler, not a believer, that's okay. I've been there too. I frequent that city very often. And it's not like I'm always a believer, never I feel like. It goes back and forth and you have to come into realization what's happening. But if that's you tonight, make a commitment tonight. Make a commitment as we pray and worship and we have people up here to pray with you to make a commitment that you tell your feelings that they do not have permission to run your life. 
Maybe you need to verbalize that with somebody tonight. So I need prayer. I don't feel like prayer, but I'm going to have prayer. And I'm going to tell my feelings who's boss. Maybe you come and say, I have these feelings. I had someone call me just ravaged by a relationship. Obviously, the relationship was going nowhere. This person was completely heartbroken and thought that there was hope in this relationship. And I'm like, bro, she ain't coming back. She's not into you, man. Sorry. And he's like, ever? Like, never. I know, right? But we prayed and we're like, we, we're going to tell your feelings the truth. We're going to tell your feelings the truth that it's not doomsday. It's like, it's okay. She's not into you. So what? I know it hurts, but we need to tell our feelings. We're, we're not going to like, uh, so maybe I need to give more context because you guys are laughing. All right. It was harsh, but it was necessary. Because the feelings were out of control. I mean, we're at like, I'm driving past her house out of control. Thank you. Okay. That's why feelings run amok. Okay, I'm not saying like I'm heartbroken. I'm telling you, get over it. I'm like, tell your feelings to settle down before you're put in jail kind of deal. Okay. I'm not being hard. <laughs> no one's coming to me for relationship counseling ever again, apparently. <laughs> but make a commitment tonight to say, feelings, you're not in charge of me at all. I'm in charge. Make a commitment that your behavior in your life is subject to the word of God. Sounds simple. Incredibly hard to walk out. Do that. At least say, God, if you say it, and it isn't black and white. I'm just going to trust you for who you are and what you say. I'm not going to like mince words like, well, he really means no, but he's saying, yeah. Like, don't do that. God makes his word pretty clear. Commit your behavior to be subject to an authority in the scriptures. And make it a commitment to live your life in subject of authority to someone else. I mean, really, anybody's better than nobody. If you have absolutely nobody that your life is subject to, I'll pray with you, okay? But that needs to be something in your life that you develop and practice. My greatest fear in my life right now is that I would begin to wander off the path and no one would tell me. I'm like the the boringest accountability partner right now. Because I'm like... I don't have like something really like I'm struggling with. I'm like, I, I, I feel like I reward the, the examination by having a struggle, right? The squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? But when everything's okay, then like you stop getting the questions. And I just don't want there to be a period where I don't get any questions. I don't have any examination. I'm completely off the rails. And so that's why you need to seek it out. Not just when things are bad, but when things are good. Tell on yourself. You know yourself well enough to know when you are in a spot where maybe you're not going to perform at your best. And tell on yourself. Anyways, that was a little bit longer than I wanted, but I just love you guys. I love this topic. And um, let's all stand and we're going to pray. Thank you, guys.